Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Recalibrating the Scales. I'm your host and Chief Executive Resolutionist, Normie Vasquez Scales, at your disposal. of masked disabilities. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Hence, this episode marks the sequel to the prior episode regarding disabilities and etiquette. So brace yourselves to receive. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, a vast degree of terrain has been canvassed amid our collaborative expedition encompassing recalibration. Hence, the topics incurred have challenged cognitive dissonance pertaining to a plethora of subjects we've embarked, we've embarked upon. Consequently, thought-provoking perspectives we've been immersed in along our path have afforded us to all graduate from linear to multidimensional thinking. Aligned with today's, today's topic is the notion that perception is reality for a plethora of people. However, seeing isn't always believing. Hence, there's more than meets the eye. Yet where do masked or or invisible disabilities play a role in this perspective? We exist in a world where as labels in in the respective diagnoses of hidden impairments or deficiencies continue to magnify exponentially. Let's explore and decode some of these silent, unseen, or less apparent disabilities alongside the ramifications posed by their designated labels. Here's another original poem I'd scripted, synchronized with the topic at hand, titled Hidden Agendas, Incognito Impairments. It has been indelibly stated that perception is reality. Yet how does that correlate to the hidden agenda or fallacy of the snarling, hissing reality plaguing within, you know, the so-called allegedly incognito impairment, mesh, mated, paired, soldered, welded, and proportionate to the tangible label violating, verbally assaulting my God-bestowed identity. The silent deficiency slithering within my physical human domain, rather wreaking havoc within the cerebral depths of the brains of fellow comrades and I, the afflicted, who deliberately inflicts truth in lieu of ignorance imposed upon my personal injury for their cardinal transgressions, shortcomings for succumbing to their optical betrayal, discarding the notion of their being more than meets their naked, unshrouded eyes in an affirmative context of war, the holistic individual grossly succeeding their synthetic impairment induced by default. 
Without further ado, I reintroduce to you Dr. Tim Miles, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Recalibrating the Scales radio show, Dr. Miles. How are you this fair evening? I'm doing well this evening. I'm doing well this evening. Thank you for inviting me back. Well, it's a pleasure to have you as always. I'm all ears. I can't wait to for you to give us a crash course on what we need to know this evening. So uh, for our listeners, go ahead. No, no, go sorry. ahead. For the uh, listeners I'll, that are just... <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say uh, um, that um, this uh, past month was Disability Awareness Travel Month. So... Um, be aware that people will be traveling with their with their guide dogs and um, canes and walkers and things like that. But don't be afraid because they're just they're just maneuvering the territory just as you would. Okay, and thank you again for sharing that. It's definitely definitely a feather in everyone's cap. So, for the listeners that are just tuning in for the first time, can you please enlighten our new listeners about you and your field of expertise? Dr. Mott. Uh, my field of expertise uh, is communication studies um, with a master's from the University of North Carolina and further studies um, at the University of Missouri. Um, with that said, um, when I look at my work over the last 25 years, I've found myself in the area of human services, providing services for people with disabilities across the board, from children to seniors. Uh, one fragile group we've been dealing with here recently has been the veterans who have returned from war, uh, who've become unexpectedly uh, disabled in some kind of way. Um, and in addressing their needs through the Orange County Triangle Disability Awareness Council, um, and that's www.trianglendisability. Um DAC at .org. We we try to map up the needs of any person who has a challenge. And for example, if they're blind, we try to match them up with services in the community that can help them live as independently as possible. So through the 25 years experience, I've, I've, I've like I said, seen across the board different types of challenges. Some simple, some more complex. Um, a, a complex issue of current. Um, would be we have a person who's had a stroke and he's a senior in a nursing home. He is on the border of getting transportation services from the three areas of Durham, Chapel Hill, and Raleigh. But because he's out of the boundaries, he can't get out, even though he's in Chapel Hill, but he can't get service because he's not in the three-quarter mile rule. What do you do with people like that? There's a whole lot of people in that facility that can't get out. Um, without having to make a lot of extra uh, trips. So something that listeners could think about, maybe we can problem solve that one. Okay. And thank you for expounding upon that. So shifting gears just a shy bit and diving into the Mm -hmm. actual topic now. Is perception reality regarding masked or unmasked disabilities? And furthermore, can you expound upon specific as I quote, incognito disabilities that you're privy to? Yes. Um, I alluded to one just now, and I said people who have strokes. Um, when a person has a stroke, 
a lot of things, people think there's a lot of paralysis involved, which it is. And sometimes it's just uh, not even that. It's just that they can't remember things. Um, for the last two years, I've been, been dealing with a person who has had a, had a stroke and who, again, is from the military. We can have a discussion like you and I having now, but tomorrow they won't remember it. At the end of the week, the, the discussion may come back. But I would have never known that until we tried to uh, recap the information that was vital to something we needed to do. And then that's when they self-disclosed and say, oh, I had a stroke. And from the, from the limited amount of paralysis, I had to learn to speak, walk, think all over again. But there's residuals left over. I still have short-term memory recall. So I have to find ways to make me remember things, one, by writing them down. Two is therapy. My doctor suggested, and I'm, I'm quoting, that I use my cell phone to text things to me to keep the memory. But I can't remember the actual sitting with you, what time it was, what, we, what I wore, and how I got there. So that's one that I'm very familiar, familiar with. Dementia and Alzheimer's runs right through that. Um, area, and which we already know, our listeners know too, that um, as the aging population comes around, uh, that's going to be an issue that you're going to face um, is, is some type of dementia, dementia or, or uh, memory loss uh, as it relates to Alzheimer's or, uh, or dementia. Uh, a third one we might think about um, would be arthritis. It sounds simple in its words, but it's not. Uh, sometimes arthritis can be so staggering for people I've seen that it doubles them over uh, to where they fall down and they and, and they need help getting up. Uh, they have to take a lot of medication. But then after medication, they're fine for another day or so. It just comes and goes. Some things can be controlled and some things can't. It's sort of like it's involuntary. But you don't know these things until you ask these things. Um so, that, so that, that's what when you say incognito, that's a, a, a few examples of the kinds of disabilities that are uh, hidden to us that we don't see. Uh, the list is exhaustive. And um, you, you mentioned that last time how the list of disabilities across the board is so exhaustive. And there are things that they come up with every day that the doctors can't put a label on. So the, so, so the reality and the perception of, of what's masked uh, and, and, and unseen is the story behind the mask, the man or the woman that's wearing it. Let them tell you your story, I say, uh, and don't be, don't be afraid. It's just like you go to the library and you read a book. You look at a title, you at least turn, take a chance to turn the page and look at the preface to understand why, because you never know when it might be you in that situation or someone you love in that situation. And at any time, the listeners are free to ask me or contact me, as I mentioned earlier, at TriangleDAC.org to get more information on these types of disabilities that are called hidden disabilities. Or they can just Google it. Okay, and thank you. Thank you immensely for that. So in addition to that, um, what are some ramifications of labeling individuals with hidden disabilities? And how does this impact one's identity? Uh, one of the, one of the ramifications is separation from others. 
uh, the history of people with disabilities was that they were hidden. They were kept away. And isn't it funny I use that word hidden again? It was a shame and an embarrassment back in the, back in the 1800s and earlier when a person had a disability uh, that the family did not want them to be seen. There were but few exceptions um, that become known to us um, that where where family would have tried to not make that person be uh, uh, separated or cut off, because another part of the separation is you become um, desocialized. You don't know how to socialize people with other people when it's time to go to a party or or have breakfast or um, um, uh, talk talking the general conversation about things, how to articulate what your needs are. If someone is taking you out out of the the realm of reality or taking you out of the world, so to speak, and hidden you away, and they're your only source of information, I think two very strong things uh, or examples that our listeners could could grasp is looking at the story called the uh, miracle worker with Helen Keller, who was deaf and blind. Uh, short of what you saw, you would have never known that uh, Miss uh, Helen Keller was was blind or deaf because there were no scars on her face. There was no indication that you could really know that without uh, initiating some kind of communication. Then you would get the feedback. Um, another one would be a, what is the story called A Patch of Blue, Sidney Poitier and Elisa Hartman, where she was totally blind. And, yeah, you could see it, but without the glass or the shades or, or those things that identify people who are visually visually challenged, that you can kind of get a sense. But then again, we've seen situations where even though you wear those those shades or have those canes, still the sighted world, or quote-unquote the normal world, can still make that mistake. Uh, I think one of the presidents made a mistake at one of his press conferences and said, hey, dude, why do you have those shades on here? in here? It's very bright. Come to find <laughs> out the reporter was blind. Mm. So those are some of the some of the things that happen when you don't include people and when you separate them out like that is that they become desocialized. Hmm. Okay. So how would you say in terms of identity? How does this directly impact one's identity? The labeling I'm speaking of actually. Yes. Yeah, so when you label someone something, you separate them from you. Instead of us being humans or people, uh, when you say that blind person or that uh, black woman or that white woman, you are are putting them in a space that allows you to deal with them on those labels and terms as opposed to just dealing with them as a normal human being. And our history of of America has has proven that with the issue of civil rights. Um, The people with disabilities... Their their struggle is similar to it. It has the same life, the same uh, path in a sense, um, where you you see a person differently than you are because there's something different about them. When in actuality, we all are different. We've got to let let that not make a difference, as I said before in the last broadcast. Okay. okay. Right. Well, and I thank you for I thank you for clarifying and enlightening us of those things. This is definitely, definitely insightful for me. What are some common misconceptions that people have of hidden impairments? And in addition 
how can a healthy equilibrium be attained between conclusive versus misdiagnosed disabilities to afford a seamless coexistence of everyone? So seamless uh, meaning, uh, uh, you know, those... Go ahead. Uh, Go on. To delve right into that, to delve right into that, um, um, if you go back to the question about identity, um, mm-hmm. if you if your identity for me becomes detached, or if you never know who you are, you lose self confidence. Your self awareness of who you are is not put in place, and with the misconceptions that are running out there, for instance, um, when people have hidden disabilities, the misconception is that um, it's always cognitive, but it's not. As I indicated earlier, it could be something physical, like the arthritis, uh, like spinal injury, things like that, that don't necessarily make you vis- visibly be noticed, noticed as a person with a disability. Um, so once a person decides that you are, they've decided how they're going to deal with you or communicate with you. Um, misconceptions about those who are visually impaired. Uh, some people think because you're visually impaired or if you're blind in, in some instances that you're deaf. They don't necessarily <laughs> go together. You can be one or the other. Or you can be both, as we already indicated. Uh, but that's a misconception. That's the first thing they say because we've been in situations where a person's been totally blind walking with a cane and a person is saying, hey, come over here. Or we're like, well, what is, oh, what is over here? Instead of using descriptive language that uh, – Mr. Miles, would you walk five feet to the left and turn right, and I, and I'll be I'll meet you at the door. That's more clear than saying come over here. But you don't have to yell at me either, because it's <laughs> it's degrading in a way. Okay. So can you take it a step further and expound? I know we've already covered etiquette, not in in priority. There's always something yet to be lended, but is there anything you wanted to add in addition to what you've already stated, albeit this episode or the previous episode? Um, yeah, yes, I can in a, in, 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 a, in a quick one, too. Um, first, I'll say, too, um, one thing about the misconception that I, that I didn't really truly say as much about as, as I could have is to say that you're – when you decide that you know something about someone that makes them different, you're deciding their fate in a way. And that's sometimes if they allow you to. People with disabilities of all shapes and sizes and colors and all different disabilities, they're equally intelligent to any other person. And you had to couch that with the understanding of what you know about the person to make, a, to make another, another decision. But their capabilities are endless. We've seen so many Examples across the world, across the world, across the spectrum. Stephen Stephen Hawkins, um, Foster, the musician, Beethoven, Bach, Leonardo da Vinci. All these people had disabilities. In fact, da Vinci was had a learning disability, so it was a hidden disability. He was a brilliant artist. So those things you need to think about when you think about misconceptions is that. It is a misconception until you become until you get the conception of what it is that you need to know about that person and about that disability, and stop using the word disability because you 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 named it well when you said let's disable the label, let's remove those labels, mm-hmm. let's make us all on equal equal ground, 
and start communicating from there so that we can live in, in, live in, in, in harmony and, and coexist as human beings should. Um, what else would I tell you? Um, you have the floor. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, how do we how do we learn that we're all equal just by blood in a sense? It might be type A or type B that I have in blood, but that is the same blood that runs through everybody's veins. So we can agree to disagree, but we still still to walk side by side down the road towards understanding, towards learning, towards towards getting along with each other, uh, helping each other. That's what makes the world work, together for all or none at all, I say. Um, it, it, it's an interesting journey, and it, and it still continues to be, because every time I encounter a disability of some sort, I learn something new about myself. And that one thing that I've learned more than anything else is tolerance, patience understanding, mostly starting where they are. When I, when a person comes to my office, I don't begin with them from where I am, even if I'm having a bad day or whatever, or what I might think I see or know. I start with them by saying, well, tell me about yourself. Tell me what you specifically need. And as they unravel their story and they feel comfortable about it, they start telling me just how they communicate what they need and, and what they're trying to, to achieve. And in sometimes in that unveiling of their story, I'm able to help them better weave a tapestry of um, advocacy, um, achievement towards the goal they're trying to obtain, and just realizing that maybe if you did once, if you communicated a little bit differently this way to the to the service provider, that you might get these results. And then also keeping a record of what happens to you so that when you tell somebody, they can accurately follow back. It's always about the paper trail with me when you're trying to understand, unravel, to make a story fit as much as it possibly can to get you to achieve the goal you want. Um, I think the readers might want to know, as I said before, I'm sorry, and, and, and our listeners, is that we here in North Carolina alone are still facing an unprecedented, as far as I'm concerned, 75% unemployment rate with people with disabilities only in North Carolina. And I don't know what that fits, in, fits into the national, but we have an un, un, a 75% unemployment rate. People with disabilities in North Carolina that have degrees, uh, have been trained, they're still not finding that job that they need because, as I said, one thing about the world is the disability will meet a person before the person meets that other person. And that's sad. But as I said, um, when we label people, it's like African Americans went through their civil rights, just like women had their suffrage, um, just like the veterans are now figuring it out now, that, that when you're labeled differently by the other side, if you want to use those terms, then you you don't you feel disenfranchised. You don't get what you're entitled to have. And if it's if it's to be said, all men are equal, and all men and women are equal. So let's just keep that perspective in mind. Whatever we do. So in the sense that that's how 
sharp efforts for achieving a more a seamless outcome. That would be the ideal you're speaking of. You said something which I'm always in this episode. I'm very cognizant of being pulled to the best of my ability when I'm in. So, so can you those in the, in the couple minutes or so that we have remaining reiterates politically correct verbiage that we should be using and speaking about people with disabilities. Uh, you say it right there. People first language. A person with a disability, a person who is blind, a person. Put the person first. Speak in normal language that you would speak to anyone. Respectfully. Because we if you give it, it's just, it's just that simple. It's no crash course, nothing that, that's hard. And learn to be tolerant, tolerant of others. Um, because at some point in your life, somebody will be tolerant of you. Um, and learning to think together about how to problem solve an issue. Those will be the, 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 the key pieces of adequate. Each, each area, uh, without the things I just mentioned, may have some tweaking to do as you encounter it. Like, for instance, you know, of course, if you're going to interact with someone who's deaf, you may have an interpreter or sign language. But when that person is sign languaging, you are still looking directly at the person who's deaf because he or she may be reading your lips. That's something that people don't get. Uh, When a person is visually impaired or totally blind and they have a sighted guide with them, do not talk and give all instructions to the Decided guide person. You get those directions and instructions to the person who's visually impaired or blind. Because at the end of the day, if they get separated, that person is going to need to know that information to get to the next place where he needs to get to. And like I said, each one of these, they change a little bit, depending on the nature of what you're doing. Cognitive issues, as we said, uh, and or hidden disabilities, they have a, a whole different way of how they address issues. Sometimes things are reinforced. Because there are degrees of people who have learning disabilities, people who have cognitive challenges, whatever. They can do a lot of things. You have to to either scale it down to singular things. Uh, I had one person that has Asperger's, I think it's pronounced. And they told me, they said, if you give me things in chunks, I can do them better. If you line them up. Mm -hmm. But if you give me a whole big array of things, I can't do them. I, I get I get confused, I get I get frustrated, and I want to leave it. So I thought it was fascinating because for all appearance, communicated, talked even more intelligently at times than I felt I could, you know. But it was fascinating to see how that disability played itself out. And all I needed to do in a simple way was to give me one, give him one small task at a time. It's fascinating. So those are the adequate tips I would talk about. Again, in summary, is people first language. Sizing the situation up, meeting them where they are, uh, listening with empathy, not sympathy, um, and just one day at a time and realizing that they're just like you. They have family, they raise, they go to concerts, they go to movies, they go all these different things that you do. Try to enjoy that experience with them together. And I, I think, Mia, you yeah, already I can, know you have a preference. I can, I, can, I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> you had a great time, and uh, short of a recent experience, 
that that young that young man that was visually impaired, he fixed everything but the salad. Hmm. So I'll, I'll leave it at and that. And my compliments to him. <laughs> I extend my utmost compliments and, and accolades to him. And looking forward yeah, to the next gathering. Exactly. And even if I say anything more on that particular note, that person is a gift with technology, especially phones. The voice over, all that stuff, he knows it like the back of his hands. I think it's fast. You know what? Bookmark, bookmark that comment. If you could stand by okay. for me, Dr. Miles. One more. All right. Once again, I'd like to render my utmost gratitude and appreciation to Dr. Miles for joining us this evening. Moreover, I extend accolades to my behind-the-scenes team, Bradley, coupled with all of my avid listeners spanning the globe. I beckon your feedback and suggestions via Twitter and Instagram, as always, given that this platform and movement rests upon your broad shoulders. Furthermore, I humbly implore your continued listenership as always. Until the next episode, this is Normia Vasquez-Scales, signing off. (laughs) 